Our hearts are filled with praise. Our mouths are filled with praise. And oh God, we ask that you would move in this place. Father, as we open up your word, we ask, oh God, that you would speak clearly to us. We ask, oh God, that you would open our eyes so that we can see you clearly. Open our ears so that we can hear you clearly, oh God. Hover over us in the lightning of God, the liberty of God in this place. And we promise that when all is said and done, we'll give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. My sister's keeper. Turn in your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 29. And I'll read in your hearing, beginning at verse 31. Genesis chapter 29, beginning at verse 31. It reads like this. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I'll praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And then she stopped burying. This is a somewhat sad story, but one we can all relate to because Leah was searching for significance. Leah was searching for love. And as much as I tried not to talk about the color purple today, it seems that that story parallels the story that we're reading in the Bible. Because for those of you who aren't familiar with the color purple, it's a story of two sisters. One was beautiful and one show was ugly. That's what they told her all throughout her life. She heard it all the time. And one day, Mr. came to their paw, kind of, and asked for Nettie, which is the younger, prettier one's hand in marriage. And Paul said, well, Nettie, you flat out just can't have. But you can have Seely. She's ugly, but she'll work, and you can have her. And so Mr., he couldn't even remember what Seely looked like. When he saw her, he kind of cringed. But that's how it worked out. And Mr. had to marry Seely. Imagine what it felt like to be a Leah or a Seely, the, the second one, the, the one they knew wasn't wanted. And so Seely lived her life knowing that Mr. didn't want her. He lived his life loving other people, and she was unloved. And there was a time in... Uh, at least there was a time in the story where it talked about the color purple and how God puts out all of these wonderful, beautiful things so that we would notice them and love him. And they talk about how that we just scream and shout and holler because all us want to do is be loved. And that's exactly where Leah was. She just wanted to be loved. And we all have that desire. We all search for significance. We all want to make a mark on the world. We want to change the world. There was a cartoon called uh, Calvin and Hobbes. 
the little boy, and, and he said, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. He said, but right now I'm so far behind, I'll never die. He wanted to be significant, but sometimes we want to do big things and we want to do great things, but sometimes significance runs away from us. And so Leah decided that somehow, some way, I mean in real dream girls fashion, and you, you're going to love me. And so she decides that she is going to do all of these things. Her sister couldn't stand her, and they went back and forth, back and forth. And I feel obliged to tell you how they got messed up with this man. Jacob was a conniver, and he tricked his father. He wanted a blessing, and his daddy couldn't see well. So he went into his daddy and acted like he was the older brother, but he was really the younger brother. And so his daddy wanted to bless the older brother, but it was the younger brother who got blessed instead. And when Jacob was running for his life, he ran up on Rachel, that beautiful younger sister. And he said, oh, I have got to marry this girl. And the dad said, fine, you can marry her, but it'll cost you seven years of your life. And the Bible says it was like mere days because he loved her so much. And they had the big wedding feast. And right when uh, uh, the lights went off and they didn't have no electricity, it was dark. And the custom was that the veil would stay on until the next morning. And so instead of marrying and having a honeymoon with the younger one, he got the older one, Leah. And the Bible says that something was wrong with her eyes. Uh, they were, she was tender eyes. She was something. But she wasn't nearly as beautiful as her sister Rachel. When Jacob woke up and saw who he was laying next to, he had a fit. He went to uh, uh, the father Laban and said, what have you done to me? And he said, well, around these parts, the older girl got to get married first. So, you know, sorry for you. He said, but this is what I'll do. Finish out the week with Leah, and I'll give you Rachel, too, for another seven years. And so... The one who had did that whole older, younger switcheroo, now the same thing happened to him. And here he has two wives. He only loves one of them. But see, in the color purple, Nettie and Celie loved each other. But in the Bible, Leah and Rachel couldn't stand each other. And Leah was determined to make this man loved her. Now, this is the problem when you make goals that involve other people. She made it her life's goal to make a man love her. Now, who could block that goal? The man, right? She really had no control over that goal. And a lot of times, we make goals for our lives that we have no control over. Hello, somebody. And then we get angry, we get anxious, and we get frustrated because our life isn't going the way we have planned. They say that, that when you have a goal that can be blocked, you decide that you're going to raise godly children. Now, who can block that goal? All your kids. And when they decide to, then all of a sudden, you become angry because they've blocked your goal. They say that we become anxious or uncertain when we have a, a, a goal that is uncertain. We become anxious and worried when we have a goal that is uncertain. 
So if our goal is to get a promotion and we don't know if we're going to keep our job or not, if our goal is to have a big, beautiful house and we don't know if it's going to get foreclosed on or not, our goal is uncertain and we become anxious and worrisome. And then they say that you get downright depressed if your goal is impossible. And that's why there's not a lot of hope in the hood because it seems like the things that they want to do, the things that they want, places we want to go, we can't. It seems impossible. And then we run up on angry, confused, bitter, bitter people. But that doesn't have to be our testimony if we don't have goals that are tied up to other people. Because instead of saying, I want my kids to be da-da-da-da-da, the goal you do have control over is I could be the best mama that God has made me to be. Because who can block that one? Only you. You have control over that one. You can, you can say, I want to have a husband who will da-da-da-da-da-da, but he can block that. But if you decide that I'm going, no matter what kind of husband I have, I know that I am going to be the very best wife I can be. Can't nobody block that. And so, see, Leah had set her life on getting other people to do or become or love her. And so she lived a life being unfulfilled. And as much as we want to look down on her, I believe that we do the exact same thing. So what's the first thing that she tried to do to get Jacob to love her? Well, the first thing is was, was to have all his babies. Uh, we read that. Uh, she had all of these babies, and she said, well, if I have this baby, and if I have that baby, then surely he will love me. And that's what we do. We try to find significance in the things we do. The performance trap. It's a trap. And so we try to perform and we do our little song and dance and we hope that somebody likes us. And if they don't, then we're messed up on the inside. Then we're feeling like less than a person. We're feeling sad and depressed and lonely because we fell into the performance trap. Verse 32 says, so Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. I've done something, and, and now Reuben actually means look. And so she names her son, look, a son. She's just trying to cry out for his attention. And how many times do we do the same thing? We try to, to make our wives love us so we, we get better jobs or we act like we have better jobs than we do or, or we work in the yard. If we don't have a job, then we, we mow that lawn as good as we can do. Look, woman, trying to show you I love you. I'm a good man. We try to do the same thing for our husbands or our parents. We try to get better grades. We try to do all kinds of things. Wanting somebody to notice us. But sometimes it doesn't work. And for Leah, it didn't work. And so instead of just the performance trap, trying to find significance in what she was doing, then she decided to do something else. The Bible says in chapter 30, now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I will die. And Jacob got upset with her and, and so she said, look, I have a servant you go sleep with my servant and get some kids by her, and it'll be like I have kids. And then Leah was like, oh, well, then you go get my servant and go have some kids by her, and then I'm going to have some kids. And so they're going back and forth. And can you imagine that house? Four women and one man? Can you all even imagine? 
And the Bible says in verse 13, then Leah said, because Leah's made, verse 12, and Leah's made Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. She couldn't do it herself with the performance trap. And so the next thing she did was the approval trap. She wanted to make people call her blessed. She wanted, well, maybe if people think about me differently than I am. Now, if I do this, then people will start saying good things about me. Maybe they'll forget about my cross eyes. Maybe they'll forget about the fact that my husband doesn't love me or my marriage is on the rocks. See, she thought that publicity was identity. But what people say about you does not define who you are. But a lot of times we spend our time trying to get folk to think certain ways about us, and we ain't even that way. There was this uh, newly minted lieutenant, and he was sitting in his office, and he just said, the next, I'm going to impress the next private that walks in here. And he saw one coming, and so he uh, picked up the phone, and he act like he's talking to the general, acting like he's talking to big stuff. And he said, yes, sir, general, I know you can count on me. And hangs up the phone. What do you want, private? He's like, sorry to bother you, sir. I just came to hook up your phone. <laughs> A lot of times we're acting like we're all of this. We're acting like we want people to think different things about us. And it's a lot harder work to act like somebody else than to just be ourselves. And then what happens when they figure out that you really not all of that? I'm going to tell you because it happened to me yesterday. We were in the car. I had picked up my kids from school, and I was listening to an audio book. And the kids, they're going to get some Jesus too. And so the, the book was talking about David and how, you know, she knew about David and Goliath, but didn't really know about David and Bathsheba. And so they talk about how David is this murderer and David took another man's wife and David did this and David did that. And, and she's like, Mommy, wait a minute. I thought David loved God and obeyed him in everything. She was just crushed that David was a mess. And I said, well, baby, just like you love mommy, but you don't always obey, it's something like that. I said, even mommy loves God, but I didn't always obey him. She said, what? You're a pastor. You have to obey God. She was so distraught. And so by now, my son, he was like, well, well at least daddy obeys God all the time, right? And I was like, not all the time. And he's like, oh, no, you guys are pastors, and you don't always obey God. Let me tell you, those kids were through. They did not know that pastors make, I hope I, hope I ain't mess none of y'all up. Well, I'll, let me just tell you now, pray for the preacher. They didn't know. And a lot of times, if you make yourself be one thing and you're not really that, then they'll figure it out sooner or later. Now, I could have lied and said, oh, no, mommy, mommy obeys God all the time. But I just wanted them to know, baby, just because I got the microphone don't mean I always got the victory. Hello, somebody. But a lot of times we want, we fall into that approval trap. If I can do this, then folk will say this about me, and they will think that about me, and then finally I will be loved, and then finally I will be significant. But guess what? They didn't call her nothing but cross-eyed. It didn't work. So she tried the performance trap, and she tried the approval trap, and so Next, she tried one last thing. Chapter 30, verse 14. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat and harvest and found mandrakes in the field. 
and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Leah said, then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrake. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you also take away my son's mandrakes? And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. And so when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me. For I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he laid with her that night. She tried the performance trap, didn't work. She tried the approval trap, and that didn't work. And so she tried the power trap. She tried to use what she controlled. And so she controlled her son's mandrakes. And what mandrakes were was a fertility herb. They were supposed to make you have babies. And Rachel hadn't had any babies. And so as soon as she saw she's like, give me some of those mandrakes, please. Oh, you want my husband? Now you want my mandrakes? And so now Leah trades some mandrakes for a night with her husband. But she couldn't just have a romantic night with her husband. She had to get all prostitutional with it. I've hired you tonight for some mandrakes. Didn't even like for a million dollars. No, for some, for some mandrakes, for some prunes. It's me and you. Because she wanted to have control. She wanted the power trap. And many times when we can't do it through performance and we can't do it through approval, then we try manipulation. Oh, I know I'm preaching. And I'm really preaching to my ladies. See, men, men often control and they can do it with just brute force. But we know we can't just brute force in most cases. And so we try to do it on the sly and try to do manipulation. You all know that that's not of God, right? I know I, know I wasn't going to get no amens and stuff, but that's all right. I don't care. I'm beyond performance and approval and power because I know how the sermon ends. But she's trying her best with her power, with her performance, approval to find significance. What is she after? All she wants is to be loved. I wish that I could have talked to her or I wish that somehow she could have lived just a little bit longer so that she could have heard the words of Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1. And even though I can't talk to her, I can talk to us. Because many times we fall in these same traps, performance traps, approval traps, uh, uh, power traps. And God wants to show us how and where we find our significance. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I want to break that down just a little bit. At the very beginning of the verse, Jesus, God lets us know that it's not about our power. It's not about what we control, but it is about the all-powerful one, the omnipotent God, the almighty one who has formed us and created us and he created us in his image his fingerprints are all over us and we should find our value in that our value not in the power and what we control but in who controls us and how this great God declared that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. 
see, you know, sometimes you just be thinking, well, we ain't nothing but dust. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't nothing but dust. Don't do it. Don't do it. And technically that's true. But even dust, if it's in the hands of, have you all ever seen sculptures? That ain't nothing but dirt. But it's in the hand of a master sculptor. Uh, this lady walked into um, this store and she needed a hat. And she found this beautiful, beautiful ribbon. And the man, she said, I need a hat. Can you make a hat out of this? And he went in the back room, was there about 15 minutes, and made the most beautiful hat she had ever seen. He brought it out to her. She's like, oh, it's beautiful. How much is this? $500. $500? For some ribbon? And so the man kindly unraveled the whole thing, bought it up in his hand. He said, oh, for the ribbon? It's just $5. It's not about the raw materials. It's about the skill of the person who knows what they're doing with the ribbon. It's about the skill of the person who knows what to do with just dust. It's about the skill of the God who has formed you and made you. And so you don't have to perform. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to control. You have value just by virtue that you are created in the image of God. But not only are you created, the verse says, fear not for I have redeemed you. This flies in the face of the performance track because it's not about what you can do, but it is about what was done for you. I mean, no matter what you try to do, the Bible says your righteousness, your goodness, your best stuff is as filthy rags. And so it's not about what you can do because you can't do enough. If you're only focusing on what you can do, then maybe we should be depressed. But the Bible says we don't have to focus on that. We have been redeemed. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. So we don't have to find our significance in what we want to do or what we trying to do or what we have to do. We find our significance in what God has done. It says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. So we're created, and we're redeemed, and we are called. This flies in the face of that approval trap. What others say about you? Because God says, I've called you by name. And see, when they named somebody back in the Bible, they, sometimes they would wait time they would let a little time go by so they could see what kind of character you had. Sometimes they may wait a whole year to see what your name would be. They didn't just say it because it was cute or it rhymed with Laniqua. They made sure it meant something. And the Bible says, God says, I have called you by name. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. He's called us with this calling, not because of what we have done, but according, the Bible says, to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Did you all hear that? So before God strike the zebras, God gave you a purpose. Before he lit the stars and fixed them in the sky, 
God gave you a purpose. Before he let time start counting, the Bible says before time began, he gave you a purpose. So you don't have to do no song and dance. You don't have to do, you don't have to hope no man notices you. No woman notices you. You don't have to care about what they say about you when you're not around. You have significance and you have purpose that was authored for you from before time. The last part of this verse says, you are mine. That's when Leah had the turning point in her life. She tried with Reuben, look at me. Uh, Simeon, that means here, listen to me. Levi, that means attached, be joined to me. But Judah means praise the Lord. She said, you know what? Forget all of y'all. Now I'm going to praise the Lord. Say, y'all don't have to like me. Y'all don't have to care about me. Y'all don't have to pay me no mind. I'm tired of trying to win the love of somebody when I already have the love of somebody. She said, you know what? Now I'm going to just praise the Lord. Now I am going to take my focus on the mess of this earth, and I am going to turn my focus on God. He said, you are mine. That's relationship. And I want you all to know this. This is the one of the most beautiful things that I think we miss. Turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. This is at Jesus' baptism. And the Bible says, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The next verse says, then Satan came to tempt him. So before Jesus was even tempted, before Jesus could do any miracles, before a demons trembled at his name, before he was anybody, before he did anything, before anybody knew him, God said, this is my child, and I'm well pleased with him. He could have went into the wilderness and messed up. He could have been tried and said he could have tried to take the shortcuts that Satan offered him. But before all of that, because it did not matter what Jesus did, it was a relationship that God had. And see, a lot of us are trying even to win the approval of God. We try to perform with Sabbath school and, and Sabbath worship and trying to get his attention. We try to do all kinds of things and bend his arm. You going to save me because you said so, power trap? But he said, from before time began, I had a purpose for you. I've redeemed you. I've created you. I've called you. I've redeemed you. And you are mine. God said in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 5 and 6, I am your maker and I am your first husband. I wish Leah could have read that. Because she was trying to get the approval from this other man where God said, I am your first husband. All the love she was looking for was there. All of the hope that she needed was there. But she was looking in the wrong direction. And so many times, ladies and men alike, we fall into these traps. Trying to, uh, trying to get the approval, the love of people, trying to become significant and make people think that we are more than we really are. But we are somebody, not because of what we have done, but because of what 
God has done. There's a poem that I used to hear a lot when I was growing up, and I bet you all have heard it too. It's called The Touch of a Master's Hand. It says, well, it was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer felt it was hardly worth his while to waste so much time on an old violin, but he held it up with a smile. Well, it sure ain't much, but it's all we got left, and I guess we ought to sell it too. Oh, now who will start the bid on this old violin? Just one more and we'll be through. And then he cried, give me one, one dollar, who'll make it two? Two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars twice, now that's a good price. Who's gonna bid for me? Raise up your hand, don't wait any longer. The auction's about to end. Who's got four, just one dollar more to bid on this old violin? Well, the air was hot and the people stood round as the sun was setting low. From the back of the crowd, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. He wiped the dust from the old violin and he tightened up the strings. Then he played out a melody pure and sweet, sweeter than the angels sing. Then the music stopped and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, now, what am I bid for this old violin? And he held it up with the bow. Then he cried, one, give me 1,000. Who'll make it two? 2,000, who'll make it three? 3,000 twice, now that's a good price. Come on, who's gonna bid for me? And the people cried out, what made the change? We don't understand. Then the auctioneer stopped and he said with a smile, it was a touch of the master's hand. You know, there are many of men with his life out of tune, battered and scarred with sin. And he's auctioned cheap to a thankless world, much like that old violin. Oh, but then the master comes and the old foolish crowd, they never understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought just by one touch of the master's hand. God, when he gets a hold of you, changes you into a masterpiece. And Leah, though she didn't look right, though people didn't love her, though they didn't have anything good to say about her, God saw the very best in her. Out of the four women who birthed the tribe of Israel, Leah birthed a triple portion. Everybody only birthed two, and she birthed six. And when God was trying to figure out who would be the tribe of kings, he chose Judah, one of Leah's boys. And when God was trying to figure out who would be the, his people's priest, he chose Levi, one of Leah's boys. It was both Leah's boys who were the prophet, they were the priests, and the kings. It was Leah's kids through which Jesus came. He honored her, though she found no earthly honor. She was honored in heaven. Though she didn't feel loved on earth, she was loved by heaven. Why? Because God was able to see the best in her. When nobody else could see anything else but her cross eyes. God saw the best in her. And he decided that he would be a husband to the husbandless, a, a father to the fatherless. He would be a defender for the hopeless, a protector for the helpless, a shelter for those in the midst of storm. He would be all of that for them. And I want you to know that God wants to do the same for you. Each and every one of you are significant. Each and every one of you have value, inherent value. And it's not based on what you've done. It's based on who you are, a child of God. As the musicians begin to play, there are some people in here 
who have done so many songs and dances. They've done so much to try to figure out how to get somebody to love them, how to get somebody to do for them. But we know that we have significance and we are loved by God. And no matter how you feel, no matter how, what you've experienced, God sees the best in you. He looks through the eyes of faith. Though you may not feel very special, you're special to God. Though you may not be, you may not feel you are so beautiful, you are beautiful to God. When you experience the significance that only God can give, then your life will be fruitful. You will have honor, but you've got to believe. You've got to take your eyes from off the mess around here and say, you know what, now I'm going to praise God. That's what Celie said. She said, when I... When I, and that's in the book though. She said when she began to look at all the things that God made, she said, Mr. Evil seemed to get smaller. All of the mess seemed to get smaller. When we look at how big our God is. There may be somebody in here. There is somebody in here. You want to make a very special commitment. You want to give your life to God. You're tired of trying to perform for people to like you. You try, you're tired of trying to get people to approve for you. You're tired of being in dead-end relationships. You're tired of trying to get a man that ain't even thinking about you. When there's a God who can't stop thinking about you. When there's Jesus who said, I'd rather go through hell for you than be in heaven without you. You want to give your life to this God. If that's you, wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand. He saw the best in me. There's a hand, there's a hand up here. Just raise it high. When everyone else around could only see the worst in me. He saw the best in me. How many know that's what God did? When everyone else around could only see the worst in me.
part says simply, he's mine and I'm his. He's mine, I'm his. It doesn't matter what I did. He only sees me for who I am. Oh. Hallelujah. He's mine and I am his. It doesn't matter. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There's some people in here. You want to make a commitment that you're done with trying to find significance in other things. 
but you want to make a commitment that you are going to live in the significance that Jesus Christ has already given. If that is you, and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand so we can get a card in your hand. There's some hands up here. Raise them, raise them again so we can make sure. And for those of you who have already accepted Christ, you now know that he has accepted you. Not based on your performance, but simply based on your his love for you. And you just want to say thank you. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet with me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you in this place. Lord, we thank you that you see us not just for what we've done, but you see us on who we can become. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that your spirit would sweep through this place, oh God, and break yokes, oh God. Break yokes in our minds, oh God. And help us to realize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We don't have to perform for other people. We find our significance in you. Because we've been created and we've been called. We've been redeemed and we are in relationship with you. Thank you, God, for seeing the best in us when nobody else could find it. When everybody was stuck on how we looked or the past mistakes, you saw the best. Thank you, God. And Heavenly Father, we just want to commit our lives to you anew again. When we walk out of here, we want to walk with our head up high, oh God. Because we're walking in victory. We're walking in the purpose that you have set for us since time began. Our steps are ordered. Oh God, we thank you. And we bless you. We worship you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. <laughs>